Back when I was in my 20s, I spent just about every morning having coffee with a guy who was in his 80s. Uh, his name was Jim, and we would sit at the local coffee shop, and for about an hour we'd drink a few cups of coffee and we'd share some stories. Jim in his 80s, his mind was, his mind was sharp. And he had lived quite a life and he had a lot of stories to share. As I was preparing my message for today, I was thinking about one of the stories Jim told me. Years earlier, in his backyard, he had a little pasture and he kept a pony in that backyard. Pony's name was Jack. And Jack was, was a wonderful little pony for his kids to grow up with. And he had a barn back there with a, a little stall that Jack would sleep in. And every evening, they would lead Jack back into the stall and they'd put him there and they would, they would take him back into the stall and Jack would stand there with his head up against the wall of that barn. But after a while, that old barn started falling down. It just wasn't looking very good. So Jim had, had some guys come in and build another barn on the other side of the pasture. And then after that barn was built, they tore down the, the one that they had there for Jack. And, and yet, every night at about sundown, that old horse would walk back where that barn had been and he would go back to that same spot. He would line himself up just like he was walking into that barn, walk into that stall, and put his head up against an imaginary wall that was no longer there. And Jim's wife would look out and say, Jack's in the old barn again. <laughs> and they'd have to go out and lead Jack out of the imaginary barn that only Jack could see and take him to the real barn and lead him back into his new stall. We tell stories like that and we think, boy, the animals sure are stupid, aren't they? And I always think about my other na my neighbor back in those days who had, a, had an invisible fence in his yard and the dog had a little collar that would react to that fence. And that dog knew that that fence was there. Now, in theory, you're supposed to be able, after a while, to take the collar off or turn the collar off and that dog will still obey where that fence is. That worked fine until I went out to take my trash out one day and the dog tested that fence just to make sure it was, and it wasn't there anymore. But we laugh about that. You know, horses are so silly. You know, they, they, they think that fence is still there. The dog is so silly. He thinks that fence is still there. We'll laugh about them, but at the same time, we'll have to admit that we, we live by rules that just aren't there anymore also. We live by walls that have been long gone. I've known people who as adults still live by those same social barriers that existed in high school. Telling you who's in and who's out. Who belongs at the cool kid table and who doesn't have a right to sit and eat with us. I've known churches that have said we can't worship with those people because they have a different church with a different name on it. They sing different songs and they read the Bible different than us. We can't even pray with them because they look at things differently. See, if we're left on our own, we will invent walls. We will make walls where there are none. And we will not only obey those walls ourselves, we'll expect other people to obey those walls, those invisible walls that only we see. And that's a problem. Because when Jesus calls us to follow Him, He calls us to follow without any walls. He calls us to follow without walls without divisions that say this person's in that person's out this person belongs that person doesn't now we've 
spent the summer looking at these images of who we are together. This is us. Jesus calls us to be united. He calls us to be one. He calls us to be one people, one new humanity, not defined by our divisions, but rather a life without walls, without those things that separate us, but instead, hearts that welcome everyone. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2 today, <clears throat> beginning in verse 13, just a few verses. Ephesians 2, 13-18, it's page 977 in those blue Bibles in front of you. Paul begins this paragraph, kind of picking him up in the middle of the paragraph. He begins this paragraph by talking about those things that divide us, that, that divided his society. In his day, those walls were very visible. There were walls that divided them by Jew and Gentile, uh, clean and unclean, slaves and free. And we, not, we may not be able to relate to all of those walls today, but we know the problem of walls. Whether they're real, whether they're imaginary, we know how walls keep us apart. And so Paul writes here to remind us that because of Jesus, our walls have been torn down. Beginning in verse 13. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Paul, Paul says this with certainty. Jesus has torn down that wall of hostility. But we would have to admit, we still have hostility. We still feel hostility raising every now and then. And, and in fact, our hostility causes us to put up new walls between us. Now, we're speaking metaphorically about walls. We can talk about ideologies. We can talk about prejudices that divide us. But, but when Paul writes about a wall of hostility, he has a very real, a very solid, a very literal wall in mind. There was a wall that went around the temple in Jerusalem that kept some people out and allowed other people to come in. There was an actual wall of hostility that divided people, whether you were pure enough to come in or whether you weren't allowed in the temple. There was an inscription on that wall of hostility. The inscription said, no foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's a wall of hostility right there. And you realize that wall would have kept you and me from going to the temple also. That wall would have kept us out, foreigners. It would have kept us from, from approaching God. Now, the problem for us today is not, not all walls come with inscriptions anymore. Not all walls have inscription. Hostility doesn't always come with a warning. Some walls that we put up are not just invisible, but they're silent. And those walls don't talk. And yet the message is there. Don't you dare come any closer. And on one side, there's those silent messages. And on the other side, there is that, there's that message that you're not welcome here. You're not one of us. And so the hostility is there. We can feel it. But without that warning sign, we never know when we've crossed the line. And so with some people, we end up walking on eggshells because we're afraid that 
we're just waiting for that moment when we've gone too far, we've gotten too close, we've, we've crossed that wall that they've put up. See, the wall in Jerusalem may have come down, but our nature continues, and our nature is divisive. You remember the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. The reason Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit, he tells us that there is no law against those, but the reason he gives them is because they stand in opposition to another list that Paul has. He calls that list the the works of the flesh. Now, we haven't memorized the works of the flesh. I don't think we need to. I think we recognize them. In fact, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. You don't need a list. You don't need to memorize these. You recognize them when you see them. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Hold on to that one for a minute. Enmity. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That word enmity, there in the list of the, of the works of the flesh, that's the same word for hostility that we have in Ephesians chapter 2. That wall of hostility, that enmity, that hostility that we feel, it's all part of our flesh. And we know it very well. And you hear Paul's warning, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, our hostility does us no favors. The hostility that we feel towards other people does us no favors in our standing before God, in our standing with Jesus. Now, you may feel protected by shutting certain people out. You may feel like you're standing on on something important when you put up a wall and say, no, 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 I don't agree with those people. But the divisions that we know too well, those places where we say, you're in, but you're out, they do nothing for our hope. There is nothing of Jesus in them. And so the answer to the hostility that infects us, the hostility that pulls us apart from one another, the answer to that is Jesus. And Jesus came to tear down those walls. All the way through the Gospel, you hear Jesus warning that those walls, that wall of hostility among other walls at the temple were going to be destroyed. When the disciples were very impressed there towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, the disciples are impressed with all of these great stone walls. And Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth, the day is coming when not one stone will stand on top of another. Jesus' plan all along was to tear down the, the temple system, that system that kept some people out while allowing other people to come near to God. But you know, the thing is, when when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, when Paul wrote this letter, that wall in Jerusalem, that wall of hostility, that wall was still standing. When he wrote this letter, you could have that day gone to Jerusalem and seen that wall. You could have read that inscription. You could have gotten a hold of Paul and said, Paul, what are you talking about? I was just there. That wall of hostility is still standing. But it had been torn down here for Paul. That hostility was gone from his heart. 
He wasn't going to allow himself to be separated from others. He wasn't going to allow hostility to keep him from others. It wasn't about the wall that still stood. It was about what Jesus had given himself for. I'm going to look at verses 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create for himself a new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You hear what Jesus has done for us there. Verse 14, He Himself is our peace. We need to hear that. Because that right there tells us who we are and what we are to be about. If we are Christians, if we are followers of Jesus, and He Himself is our peace, then we dare not be about hostility. There's a war going on in our world right now on the other side of the planet between Ukraine and Russia. And on one side, one military group, one one government says there can be no peace until they surrender. And the other side says there can be no peace until they leave and go back home. Until they get out of our land. You see, that's how nations do peace. They have conditions on peace. But that's not for you and me. Our peace doesn't have a condition. Our peace has a name. And the name of our peace is Jesus. He is our peace. Verse 16 says His work was to reconcile us to God through the cross. We looked at that word last week, reconcile. And reconcile in the Bible. In the Bible, it's always God who does the reconciling. It's always God who, who takes that first step in a relationship. And it's God who comes near to us. It's God who initiates the connection. It's God who offers peace, who offers unity, which ought to give us pause in those times when you and I feel divisive. In those times when we feel like putting up walls because those walls obviously are not coming from God. Those walls are not coming from Jesus. So what has Jesus done? Paul says He's created a a new humanity not defined by divisions. A new humanity where we don't divide people up and say, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, you're a slave, you're free, you're in, you're out, you're right, you're left. We don't put up walls to determine who's in and who's out because Jesus Himself is our, is our peace. And if Jesus has made peace with you, and Jesus has made peace with me, then I don't dare put up a barrier between you and me because if I do, I just separate us from Jesus. And what we see is that peace, peace with God, peace with God looks an awful lot like peace with each other. Peace with God looks an awful lot like peace with each other. You know, for the Jews of Paul's day, peace with God involved going to the temple a lot, involved walking by that wall of hostility, making sacrifices for sin, making offerings for the offenses that we have against God, and making sure that you were pure enough to actually go past that wall. To make sure that you were pure enough to get in. And one of the ways that you knew that you were pure enough was by staying away from the people who weren't. Who were on the other side of the wall. 
You see, in those days, you yourself were your own peace. You were your own peace. Your devotion, your purity, those walls that you maintained, that was your peace. But now He is our peace. And He has broken down the wall. You and I don't dare put up walls, put up barriers between us. We do not dare declare that we are holy because someone else can't live up to our standard. Instead, because we have peace with Jesus, we have peace with each other. Verse 17, and He came. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. We were one of those churches where people say amen. You'd say amen to that, by the way. We both have access through the Spirit to one Father. We, we would all amen that. We would agree with that. But if we're honest, we look an awful lot like Jim's pony. We look an awful lot like, like that old pony named Jack. And you and I, you and I will put up those walls. We'll amen that, but we'll go right back to our invisible walls and put our heads against invisible walls that have been gone for 2,000 years. We'll let hostility divide us. We'll let hostility separate us, put us at odds with each other, all the while claiming peace with Jesus, but separation from other people. And I think we have to ask ourselves every now and then it would do us well to stop and ask, am I putting up a new wall? Have I allowed this issue? Have I allowed this circumstance? Have I allowed this, this thing that I hear about on the news or even this thing that's happening in my family or in my friendship circle? Have I allowed this to put up a new wall? A wall that says who's in and who's out? Who's saved and who's not? Who's one of us? And who really doesn't understand Jesus? Who doesn't really love Him? Paul tells us again in verse 18, for through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. You know, Jesus already told us that. Someone once asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And He said, the second one is like it. And hear that. It's not that the second one is the second, but the second one is like it. The second one is of the same substance as the first commandment. Second one is of the same substance as loving the Lord with everything that you've got. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. The best way that you love God is by loving your neighbor. And it turns out that peace with God looks an awful lot like peace with each other. Now, this is hard. And it's hard because it is a fight. It's not just hard because some of our neighbors test us. Right, Jim and Joy? Right? You know, it's not just, it's not just hard because some of our neighbors test us. It's hard because of our nature. It's hard because it goes against the works of our flesh. From the beginning of history, we've had walls. We've separated ourselves. The history of mankind is the story of divisions and hostility. But Jesus came to remove the walls that we've created to create one new person. Would we really want our hostility to get in the way of what Jesus is doing? There are times 
when there is an awful lot of tension in our little town, isn't there? There are, a lot, there are times when there is an awful lot of tension in our little community between neighbors, between people we know and even people we don't know. And there are times when we feel tensions in our families even. And I think you and I need to start by simply acknowledging this and simply making a pledge to this. Any, here's what we need to acknowledge. Any separation that we feel from others does not come from Jesus. Any separation that we feel from another person does not come from Jesus. And the pledge is, I will not cause any separation that would keep someone from Jesus. He is our peace. He tears down walls. And so if there is division, if there are walls going up, where have those come from? Well, one answer is they've come from our flesh. Paul calls them works of the flesh. The other answer is they come from an enemy that would love to divide us, love to tear us apart, and love to keep us from our Savior. And I think it's very important for us to remember how Jesus made peace. Verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility in His flesh hanging on the cross there for you and me. We know the cross as the greatest act of love ever given. We remember not just what the cross did for our world, that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But we remember what the cross has done for each one of us, drawing us to God, drawing us to Jesus, drawing us to each other. And drawing us to those who otherwise may feel far away from us, far away from God, those who have no peace in their lives. We want to help them find that peace. We want to help them find Jesus. We don't help them with our walls. We're going to sing in just a few moments. In fact, we're going to sing some of those words from verse 14 as we participate together. First, let me pray, and then we'll sing, and then we'll take. Father, uh, You didn't just send a peace treaty. You didn't just send terms of surrender. You didn't just send an envoy that, that made an offer and offered an or else. You sent Your Son. And He Himself is our peace. Lord, we, we love that peace. We treasure that peace. We, we hold on to that peace as tightly as we can. But Father, we confess that we live in a community and in a world where <laughs> in families where sometimes peace just isn't there. And so Lord, as we pledge ourselves to You, just as Christ gave Himself to us, as we pledge ourselves to You, we pledge a life without walls, without divisions, without hostility. We pledge to put those away so that we might know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let our kindness, let our goodness, let the ways that we care for others and the ways that we love them point to the Savior who loved us and gave His all for us. We thank You for the bread 
that reminds us of his body. We thank you for the blood that reminds us of his, or the, the cup that reminds us of his bloodshed. And most of all, we thank you for the peace that we know through him, peace that we have with you, and peace we have with each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.